0: Let's uh, turn in our Bibles tonight, if you would, to Mark chapter number 14. <clears throat> Mark chapter number 14. My wife and I, we just celebrated our, our 17th anniversary this month, and uh, actually in February, I guess, and uh, you know, I, I asked her for the anniversary. I said, honey, what would, you, what would you like? You know, what would you want me to get you? And she said, well, I really love jewelry, but, I, but nothing would make me happier than a diamond necklace. So I bought her Nothing. You'll get that later, maybe, if you didn't get it already. I want to read this real quick before we jump into the scripture here. Uh, A young lady goes to the school here. She does not come to church here, as far as I know. And so she's not here. I don't want to embarrass her. uh, But she she wrote me a letter. And uh, uh, she's probably seven, eight, nine years old, my guess. It says this She said, When I grow up, I want to be a fashion designer. I hope I can still tell people about God. Have you had a dream, but God told you to do different? Well, he hasn't told me. <laughs> my, my dad is really proud of me for telling people about God and invited people to our church. I want to be a, a dress designer and tell people about God and be a mom. When I was a little girl, I wanted to uh, get saved so bad. I told my daddy every night. God, uh, God uh, knocked on my door, but he didn't. <clears throat> uh, but uh, I, I didn't receive Christ until um, uh, he really did. I think I messed it up there. But so when I got saved, I was the happiest girl in the world. You know, that's, that means so much to me to, to see God working on the heart of just a young girl. Hey, when these kids come to you and they tell you, hey, mom or dad, I feel like God is working on my heart. I feel like maybe God wants me to be a missionary. Hey, don't, don't discount that just because they're a little kid. Now, I know, obviously, there's, God can work in different ways throughout their life, and, uh, you know, w- we'll see. The proof's in the pudding. But my point is, don't ever discourage that. Hey, God can, these kids are going to grow up to be adults just like us one day, and God's going to use them however he wants to. And so we want to we be an encouragement to whatever God's will is for their life. And uh, so that's, that's, uh, that encouraged me. And I hope as you go through your life here as a Christian, and we have these missions conferences, don't just let it pass by, oh, yeah, we're having missions conference this year. I pray that God would do something in your heart. Maybe God's calling you as an adult, uh, man or woman, to the mission field. Maybe God wants you to be a greater witness here in your area. Maybe God's calling you to do something that you've never been able to do before, that you've been scared to do, or you've been scared to step out in faith to do it. May I just encourage you, whatever God is calling you to do, don't wait to do it. Don't make excuses. Just surrender to God and do His will in your life. I promise you it will be better, far better ...than anything that you could ever dream up of on your own. You know, when I was uh, uh, 23 years old, I got saved, I was about 20, and uh, I got married. You know, we, in our church there in, in California we were serving in the church and growing in the Lord and uh, working in the bus ministry and all kinds of different things and teaching Sunday school classes. And I really felt like God was working in my heart to do something even more. And I, uh, we had a missions conference just like this. And on the final night of that missions conference, uh, the preacher was preaching, and I don't even remember what message that he preached, but I knew that God was working in my heart to surrender to full-time Christian service to, to preach the gospel. And uh, so I went forward at the invitation, and I came and I surrendered. And I said, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. And then I got up, and I, I thought about it for a second, and I said, well, okay, but not like a, a missionary or a pastor or something crazy like that. You know, I, I can't do that, God. I'll, I'll keep teaching my Sunday school class, and God, maybe if you want to send me, um, you know, like a half hour away to some other church and teach Sunday school over there, I'll do that, right? But I looked at myself, and I got scared. I got nervous because I made it about me, and I forgot that it's not about us. It's not about me, but it's about what God can do through us. As a result of that, I, I went many years in my life, and I uh, we continued to be faithful in our church and continue to uh, teach Sunday school and, and run different ministries, and we were very, very involved in our church, but I was not doing what God wanted me to do, see. I was doing God's will on my terms. I uh, began working. I tried to start a business. That didn't work out too good, but God did bless us with a good job, and we were able to you know, We were able to buy the nice house and have the nice car and all the nice things, take vacations and all these different things, and God was really blessing us, or so it seemed, but yet I couldn't shake the fact that I was living in disobedience to what God wanted me to do in my life. When I was Finally, I can't remember the age, it was 2017, so I was 30 something. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that I'd been running from God's will for a long time. My heart wasn't really right with God. I looked good on the outside. I came to church, I had my, my suit on, I taught my Sunday school class, but I was not being obedient to God's calling in my life. I finally realized that, God, why am I striving so hard to just get the second best or the third best when, you see, see, God wants the best for our lives. I told the young people here in chapel, you know, the other day we were talking and I said, you know, we think sometimes that God is going to save us. He, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, pay for our sins so that we could have a home in heaven, to live eternally with him, and then we think that somehow God wants to call us to a life that's going to be miserable, Or is somehow going to be so awful that we're never going to enjoy it. Oh man, I can't believe if God would call me to go to Nigeria, I have no idea how I could ever do that. May I say to you, if God has called you to Nigeria, you'll never be happier anywhere else. No matter how much money you make, no matter how many things you get, you'll never be happy anywhere else unless you are in that place where God wants you to be. You see, God wants the best for our lives. Not second best, not third best, but when we try to do it on our own strength, that's what we're going to get. We're going to get less than the best. When I finally just surrendered to God and started saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And and then I knew shortly after that God burdened me greatly about Japan and impressed it so firmly on my heart. I knew without a doubt God wanted us to go to Japan. When I surrendered to God's will there in my life, the whole world seemed to change. Everything started working better. I don't know what it was, but I just knew I was in the center of God's will Nothing else seemed to matter anymore as far as my dreams or my goals or what I thought I had wanted. I just wanted to be where God wanted me to be. And we can all experience that if we'll allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. So many times we get scared. We hold back from God. Mark chapter number 14. I better get there too. Mark chapter number 14. Look with me what it says there in verse number 1. It says this. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than three hundred pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for again for this night and this final night of this missions conference here, God. Thank you for Central Baptist Church and the people here, Father, that, Lord, we truly can sense that, uh, Lord, there's a spirit of, of wanting to do something for missions in this church, for world evangelization, Father. Thank you for... Uh, just all of the effort and work that's gone into this, all the planning and the preparation, God. And God, I just pray tonight that all of it would not just be for just a fun time, something that we do, something that we can put on the calendar, but God, I pray that tonight, God, you would speak to our hearts. Maybe you've already been speaking to people's hearts throughout this whole week, Lord, and they're on the verge of making a decision to do something for you that they've never done before, God, to step out by faith, to to take you at your word and just trust you in whatever it is that you're calling them to do. God, I pray that you'd speak and continue to speak to hearts tonight. Father, help us to truly and fully rely on you and your leading in our lives, God, that you may do your work in and through us. And we'll thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here this story. Of the woman who came and and she was uh, Jesus there was was it was getting ready, getting close to the time when Jesus would be crucified. And this woman came, and and I believe it mentioned there in John, I believe it was Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus, there, and she came and wanted to anoint the, the head of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, no doubt this this ointment, the Bible says it was a very precious ointment. And I don't know how she obtained it, I don't know what she intended to use it for. Most likely, she was maybe saving it someday so that her own body could be anointed with it. So it could be, uh, you know, back in the old days when they would be buried, when people would die, uh, they would stink, right? And, and so they didn't have the, all the technology that we have these days, so they would put things on their body and make them, you know, smell a little bit better for the funeral thing uh, and things like that. And so maybe she was saving it for herself, or maybe it was just something of a, a status symbol. Look at this great uh, treasure that I have, this ointment that's very precious. But you see, something happened in her life. She met Jesus Christ. She came into contact with Jesus. And things were never the same after that. In our life tonight, I pray that each one of us have a moment in our life when we we remember that we can look back to and say, hey, I used to be this way, but praise the Lord, I met Jesus Christ and things are changed. Amen? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Something changes when we trust Christ as our Savior. And aren't you glad for that? This woman here, she had uh, this ointment, this precious ointment that she was saving, but she met Jesus. We read about Mary at different times, how she sat at Jesus' feet. She learned from Him, and she spent time with Him. That's a good reminder for all of us. We ought to spend time daily with Jesus, around Jesus, in God's Word, in prayer, having a daily walk with God, because when we do, our life is not the same. She met Jesus and she wanted to do something for her Lord. She came and she poured that ointment out as as anointing for Jesus Christ. And not only did she pour it out, she could have just given him a little bit and said, here, Jesus, I want to give you just a little something. Here you go. This is very precious, don't you see? And uh, you're so, you mean so much to me, and this is very expensive, and I want to give you some of it. And so she, you know, she just sprinkled a little bit out, and, and there you go, and that's all I want to give you, and that's because you mean so much to me that I was willing to give something so precious. No, she, she didn't uh, spend time explaining about it. She just said, hey, what is the most valuable thing that I can do? I may not have much, but I have this ointment, and I want to give it all to Jesus. The Bible says that she poured all of it out, and not only that, she broke the box. She held nothing back. The title of my message here tonight is, She Held Nothing Back. Maybe in our lives here, in our uh, time in church and different things, and maybe during different missions conferences in the past, we've made a decision say, I want to give something uh, to this project. I want to give something to missions Maybe uh, some special thing has come up and you had an opportunity to give an offering and we've all had times where we said, hey, I want to give a little something. I want to put a little something in the offering plate and we're willing to give something. We're willing to pour out a little something but are we holding anything back tonight? Are we willing to say, God, I want to give you whatever it is you've laid upon my heart. I want to give it all to you and I don't understand how it's all going to work. I don't know why you'd want me to give this but I'm willing to trust you by faith to give it all to you and hold nothing back for myself. And listen, it might not be money tonight. It might be your life. It might be your uh, sacrifice of giving your life and say, God, I feel like you've called me to go to the mission field and I'm not gonna hold anything back, God. I'm just gonna give you all of myself and trust you to make it work. We've all given an offering before, but have we broke our box for Jesus Christ? Have we fully surrendered to him and his will? The story of General William Booth, who started the Salvation Army there in England many years ago, uh, was being interviewed by an American evangelist named J. Wilbur Chapman. He was there in London, and General Booth was about 80 years old at the time. And uh, Dr. Chapman listened to the old general as he spoke about the trials and the conflicts that he had experienced, and all the victories as well. and And then he asked the general if he would disclose his secret for success. And uh, Dr. Chapman said he hesitated for a second, and then I saw tears come into his eyes. And run down his cheeks, and he said, I will tell you the secret. This is General Booth speaking. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that he would have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Dr. Chapman said he went away from that meeting with General Booth knowing that the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. You see, when we surrender to God's will in our life, basically what we're doing is say, God, I want to empty myself of myself so that you can come And fill in the space instead you see but a lot of times what do we do we make our plans and say hey i want to do this i have this goal i have this goal and i got to do this thing and uh, yeah i know maybe god wants me to do this but listen i I know better than you god i know that's what you want but listen this this plan that i have is going to work far better for me now i know we would never say that but so many times in our actions that's what we are showing that we believe the Bible says there in Mark 14, our, our text tonight, look at verse 8. It said, Jesus said of her, she hath done what she could. She hath done what she could. Very similar to that time when in uh, Matthew there where there, uh, that widow is thrown in that, those two mites and all the rich people are coming and they're giving the offering. But see, they gave out of their abundance. Jesus looked at that, that old widow that threw in the two mites who had given all that she had. She held nothing back from the Lord. Here in this story in in Mark chapter number 14 tonight, we see another woman who held nothing back from the Lord, and he said of her, she hath done what she could. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus, someday when we get to heaven, could look at us as Christians, or even right now, look at us and look at our lives and say about us, that Christian right there, they have done what they could. They've done what they could. You see, all of us have different gifts or abilities or different things that God has given us in our life, and God gives us an opportunity to use those things for Him. But tonight, have we all done what we could? Or are we holding something back? Are we holding a little bit back for ourselves? Or maybe because we're scared, if I give this to God, it's going to mean I have to give up something else, and we're afraid to let that go. Tonight, are you... Maybe holding back something from God because of a job, some position in your life. Maybe because you're afraid of what somebody might say. Maybe a family member. Maybe even somebody in, a ch- in the church, a fellow Christian. Maybe you're afraid of what they might say about you if you were to really give it all to God. I, remember, I know so many times there's people that, even good Christian people, that will criticize us when we decide to give our life to Jesus Christ. Whether that's going to the mission field or, or just being dedicated in some area of service that God has called you to, there's people that will criticize you for what you do. We see that right here in this story. But may I remind you tonight that Paul says there in Romans 12:1, he reminds us that we have to offer ourselves daily to completely surrender our life and our will to him. And Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You realize... You think about what Jesus Christ did for us. And just like this woman poured out everything in this ointment to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ poured all of himself out to us as an offering for us to take our place, to pay for our sins so that we would not have to suffer the punishment for our sins, but so that we could gain heaven. And if Jesus was willing to give all of himself to us, is it really unreasonable for us to give anything to him? When we really think about it, is it unreasonable that we would Give everything that he would desire from us. Now, the great thing about God, it's not just give, 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 and just God just takes it all and gives nothing back. No, the Bible says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, together and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And see, God doesn't just say, hey, give it all to me, and then good luck, have fun. No he gives back to us, and not only does he give back to us, he gives back far more than we're able to give to him. God's, measuring, uh, God's uh, 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 measuring cup is a lot bigger than our measuring cup, amen? And when we're willing to give of ourselves and our time and our money to God, he's always going to give us back in some way or another, and it's going to be more than what we give to him. Aren't you glad we serve a good God tonight? But see, the problem is, like Dr. Sis said the other night, we, we get it backwards sometimes, right? We want to say, God, give to me, and then I'll give back to you. It doesn't work that way. We have to give first, and then God gives it back. See, God, he just wants to see if we're willing to trust him enough to give to him. God doesn't need our money tonight, folks. God doesn't need your money to go to missions. He doesn't need it. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and I've heard other people say God doesn't only own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills as well and all the minerals and gold and everything that's under the hills. God owns it all. He doesn't need our money, but God, what God desires, what God wants is our heart. Are we willing to trust him? I promise you, I, I've seen it and I'm sure many of you here tonight could testify of the same thing, that you've seen God work when you were willing to walk by faith, when you were willing to give to God whatever it is that he wanted That God always came through. God always provided. God always took care of your need and God showed up in such a mighty way that your faith was increased. But are you willing to fully surrender to God tonight to allow that to happen in your life? Maybe you're here tonight and say, Brother Morgan, I don't really know what you're talking about. Maybe you have never really fully surrendered in whatever area it is that God wants you to surrender to tonight. I suggest that you make a decision to do that. I just want to show you a few things tonight about this story here tonight. This woman, she held nothing back. We see, number one, first of all, it was a complete surrender. A complete surrender. Verse number three, it says, And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. She broke the box. If we, if we already talked about She held nothing back. She wasn't saving it for herself. We sing that song, all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. We sing it a lot, don't we? But but do we mean it when we sing it? Do we really mean those words? All to Jesus I surrender. You see God's not going to leave us without the things that we need. He already promised us that he's going to take care of us and provide those needs that we have in our life. But see, God wants our heart that we're willing to say, God, whatever it is you want of my life, whether it's money, whether it's my life, my time, my energy, my, my, whatever it is, my skills in this area, God, I want to give it all to you and if you'll just use it, I'll give it, Lord. And he'll take care of us. He'll provide the need. You know, uh, when I was uh, getting ready to go on deputation we uh, in 2017 is when I surrendered to go to Japan, and uh, it took a few years. We had to pay off some debts and things that we had acquired over the years of living so many years trying to do things our way, being so much smarter than God. And so, we had to sort of make up for some lost time and had some debts we had to pay off. And as we were getting ready to go, uh, you know, we, we moved back, we were living in Colorado for a few years, and we moved back to California. God kind of worked all those things out, and we were able to go and spend time with my wife's family, and which was a big blessing for the last few years. And, uh, but during a uh, missions conference, in fact, again, a different one this time, God was speaking to my heart and saying, Brendan, I want you to give X amount. Now, at the time, I was still working. I had a great job, and, uh, you know, it was by the grace of God, I was able to, to uh, make a, a good amount of money. And, uh, but I thought, God, look, I'm trying to use this money to pay off my debt so I can go serve you on the mission field. God, I'm giving to missions by giving to myself, right? You know, I'm, I'm paying myself so I can get to the mission field, God. That's what you want me to do. But God wasn't having it. And I could not shake the fact that God wanted me to give a certain amount, an amount that to me it was even greater than what I was already giving. And I said, God, I, look, I know better than you, God. I'm trying to pay my debt so I can go on the mission field. It's just, this makes sense. Your, your plan doesn't make sense. Mine makes sense. Right? And that's what a lot of us do, I think, sometimes. Say, hey, God, I I know this is good. Yeah, that's fine. But my plan makes more sense than your plan, God. I said, God, all right, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I'm just going to do it by faith because I believe that's what you want me to do. At that time, before I made that decision, the path in front of us, I literally thought, was probably going to take, I don't know, four or five years to pay off all the debts and do all the different things that we needed to do. It was, very, it was a very large barrier. Now, I trusted God that it was going to happen, and we were working towards it, and little by little it was happening. But at that time, it just seemed almost impossible in a way. When I made that decision and I said, God, I'm going to trust you in this area, and I'm going to give even more than I gave before, you know what happened? God did miraculous things in our life to make it possible that instead of taking the four or five years I think that it was going to take, it took about one year. And God, I, 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 could, I could spend a long time telling about all the things that God did and stuff that at that time when I made that decision, I had no idea was going to happen. But I think God did. And I believe that God was testing me to see whether or not I was still willing to trust Him in this area and just give. And guess what? God came through. And God can do the exact same thing for every single one of us. This woman here, she gave a complete surrender. Complete surrender. You know, God will test us sometimes, just as he tested me in that area. Maybe God will test you in an area. I think about Abraham in the Bible, how God called him. First of all, God called him up out of the land. Didn't even know where he was gonna go, but he just said, God, I believe that uh, your way is the way you want me to go. And so he arose and went out of the land, and he just trusted God. He gave his life to God and said, God, I'm willing to trust you Completely. When God told, I, uh, told Abraham to go and take his son Isaac and go sacrifice him on the mountain there. Abraham, I'm sure, he didn't understand it. He didn't know what God was doing, but he trusted God enough to say, God, I don't get it, but I'm willing to trust you with my, my most precious son. The most precious thing that I have, I'm willing to give it back to you, God. Believing that God, we read about in Hebrews, that God was even able to raise Isaac from the dead if he were to sacrifice him. And guess what? God came through, but He wants us to completely surrender to Him. It was a complete surrender. Next, if you notice, it was a costly surrender. Again, there in in verse number 3, it says that uh, she came with that alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on His head. The Bible says that it was a a very precious surrender. Box. you read about there in uh, verse number five, and it says, "For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence." Now, back in that time, 300 pence, a pence was about a day's wage. So you can imagine about 300 days' wages, or if we would think about it, in, in today's language, with vacation time and weekends and all that stuff, about a year's worth of wages. Now, that's a lot of money. I don't know, Pastor. I, I mean, I've never been a pastor of a church. I don't know if anybody's ever come and said, I want to give you a full year's wage. Here you go. I want to give it to the church for, for God to just do whatever he wants to do it. To the glory of God. And if, if any of you have done that, praise the Lord for it. That's great. But that's a lot of money, right? And uh, we understand that God would specifically have to speak to your heart to do that. But this woman here, it was something that cost her very greatly. It was something very precious, too, in her life. May I say to you tonight if we're gonna surrender to God in a complete, in a full way, it's gonna cost us something. It's gonna cost us. Now, it might not be money. It might be something else that's precious to us. Some of us tonight might have a job that means so much to us. We've worked so hard. We've worked our whole life to get to this point, to get to this career that we have, and it means so much to us. And if I were to surrender to your will in my life, God, it means I would have to let that go. Maybe it's gonna cost you control over something in your life maybe God wants you to allow your children to do something I don't know about you but my children are precious to me are we willing to give of our own children to God and say God they are yours to do whatever it is that you want to do I trust you enough God that you'll do in their life the best possible thing that you could do and they're yours they're not mine you see our children truly aren't ours anyway they belong to God but we want to hold on to them sometimes and want to control them and, and direct them in the way that we think is best. <clears throat> There's a quote that says, the Christianity that doesn't cost much probably isn't worth much either. It's going to cost us something. You know, we say, well, God, you know, uh, God, when I finally get a little bit of extra money and then I'll give something to you. No, again, give first and then it shall be given unto you. You know, and there's a lot of things that we can do. We can, we can vote in our elections and that doesn't cost us much money. We can show up at church and come to services regularly Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, that doesn't cost much and you ought to do that and that's good. That is, it is a sacrifice, we understand that, but it really doesn't cost a lot besides some time. We can, uh, you know, do all kinds of different things that don't cost us very much. We can say a prayer real quick before a meal. That doesn't cost us much. But are we willing to give even of that which costs us greatly, we were at that conference last week, and Dr. Johnny Pope preached an amazing message talking about in Second Samuel there, chapter twenty-four, where after David he sinned by numbering the people, and God came to him and gave him a choice of what his punishment would be, and he he chose to uh, not fall into the hand of man, but allow God to take care of it, and so God sent that uh, pestilence on the land, and many many people died. And then in verse uh, sixteen it says, and when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it. The Lord repented him of the evil and said "Said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Aruna the Jebusite. And so we see that David wanted to go and make an offering there on that threshing floor. And, and he Aruna came and said, Hey, I've got the oxen and, and you can have it. You can have it all. You can have the threshing floor and the offering. And and David said to him in verse number 24, And the king said to Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. David, a man after God's own heart, said, I'm not willing to give something to God that didn't cost me anything. I don't want to just tip God, give God my spare change and say, God, here you go. Oh, I've got a little bit, like those rich people did in Matthew there where they gave out of their abundance and said, hey, we have a lot of money. I can give some money to God, but it really didn't cost them anything. Hey, we ought not to give something to God that costs us nothing. The Bible teaches us to prove the sincerity of our love. Hey, it's going to cost us something. When we surrender to God, it's going to cost us something. It may cost you your life. It may cost you a great sum of money. But again, God is faithful. God will provide whatever it is that you need to accomplish his will in your life. But you have to trust him. The missionary Jim Elliott Before he was killed there in Ecuador by those Indians, he said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, it's going to cost money to go to Venezuela. It costs money, right? I think the cost of going to Venezuela and preaching the gospel and seeing souls saved is worth that cost. It's going to cost money for us to go to Japan, But I believe, firmly in my heart, you may or may not agree, but I believe it's worth the cost so that souls might hear the gospel and be saved in Japan. It's gonna cost money, it's gonna cost time for us here in America to go out from these walls of our church to go and tell other people about Jesus Christ, how he died for their sins so that they could go to heaven someday. It's gonna cost us something. But I think it's worth the cost. Are we willing to pay that price, whatever it is that God wants us to do tonight? Maybe God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you've, you've for so long just been tipping God and saying, God, I'll give a little bit here. I'll give a little bit there. But tonight, maybe God's saying, hey, I want to really see if you trust me or not. I want you to give something that you don't even think that you can give. And by faith, you step out and say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I'm willing to trust you for it. And trust that, God, you'll, you'll provide for that need that is created as a result of me giving to you. We're really... Uh, You know, sometimes it's easy for us to trust Jesus for our salvation, but then after we're saved, it gets a little harder for us to trust God and just the promises, other promises that are here in the Bible. Hey, it's the same Bible, folks. The same Bible that tells us we can trust Jesus Christ for our salvation is the same Bible that tells us all these other things as well and gives us all these promises of God. And look, either the promises of God are true or they're not. Do we believe them? Our actions in our life... Show whether or not we believe them or not. It was a costly surrender. We see next it was a criticized surrender. Look with me at verse number 4. It says, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. This woman came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to give you this this very precious ointment. I don't want to hold any of it back for myself. I want to give it all to you. You mean so much to me, Jesus. You changed my life, and I want to give everything to you. And some people said, "Wow, why are you doing that? You know, we could have. That was uh, very expensive. We could have taken that and given to the poor. I mean, are you really thinking this through? That doesn't seem very intelligent. When we decide to surrender." whatever it is in our life, if we really fully surrender, we're willing to completely surrender to God in whatever area it is that he wants us to surrender to, and it's going to cost us something. Make no mistake, the devil's going to come, he's going to criticize you, and he's probably going to use other Christians to do it. He's probably going to use people in your family, maybe friends, to criticize you for what you're doing. You you go to church Sunday morning and night and Wednesday night? Are you some kind of freak? You, you've been going to church every night for a missions conference, you must be really one of those Bible-thumping religious people, right? People are gonna criticize us. I remember when we surrendered to go to Japan, people in my family, they're not saved, they don't know God, they, they say, why are you giving up your job to go to Japan? Aren't there other people that do that? You're already like established, you're in your 30s, you know, you already, you're not some kid, you, you've got a job and a career, you have, you have at the time five children. How are you gonna feed them in Japan? What are you thinking? People very close to us saying that's, that's not a wise decision. You shouldn't be doing that. I remember a man in our church, a Christian man, a brother whom I love very much. He, he told me I was part of the job that I had in California was it had the uh, state retirement system, and it's a retirement plan. I was grandfathered into the old plan, and you know I could have worked at that job for 30 years and, and you know probably retired with, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a very large income. okay, let's just say that. And he told me, because he, he knew about that, I think he had it too. And uh, he said, well, what about, your, what about your retirement? What are you gonna do about that? You know, he just didn't understand. And I explained to him, I said, hey, I think God's retirement plan is a lot better than, than whatever they could cook up down here. People are gonna criticize us when we wanna sell out to God. <clears throat> you know, there ought to be something a little bit radical about our lives in our service to Jesus Christ. Again, he gave everything to us. I think Jesus Christ was a little bit of a radical himself. And I think God is looking to say, hey, which one of us, are, are, which one of you, which one of uh, uh, me, are we willing to go and be a radical for Jesus Christ? And I don't mean go be a weirdo and go run around the streets and, and you know, say, ah, oh, the Lord has come and repent. And, you know, have to be like strange or something like that. But people ought to be able to look at our lives and say there's something different about that person. Man, that person is a real Christian. That person has been with Jesus Christ, there's something different about them. And if we're going to surrender to God, we might be a little strange. It might make us stand out a little bit from the crowd, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. The eternity of souls hang in the balance. I think it's worth selling out to Jesus so that souls could hear the gospel and be saved. People, I've heard people say this, I had a friend one time, his family told him this, he had surrendered to preach and his family told him, you know, you're just too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. Maybe some of you have heard that before too. And I say, I'd rather be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good than than, uh, be too earthly minded to be any heavenly good, amen? You know, people criticize when we started a a program, we had a bus ministry at our church and uh, we would bring all kinds of kids in from Bad areas, these kids guess what they didn 't all know how to behave in church, okay My kids are still figuring it out too, and uh, but you know these kids would come in and they weren 't from great neighborhoods they, they did some stuff that was a little bit crazy sometimes, but you know what? many of those kids heard the gospel, many of them trusted Christ as their savior. We had uh, one plan uh, one uh, uh, program that we started at one point where we had a Christian school, and at the time our Christian school was just very small. we only kind of had kids from our church in it so Uh, There was another man who had been at another church who was able to get some of these kids from rougher areas. He was able to get them into the Christian school. Now, he didn't just let anybody into the Christian school. He got those kids who started coming to church, who got serious about God, who got on fire about God, and wanted to be more involved in their life. You see, we'd get them for a small time on Sunday, but then the rest of the week, they'd be in the world. They'd be around people that were cussing and drinking and smoking and doing all kinds of horrible things. And so it was very, very hard to have consistency in them. But every now and then, we'd have a kid that really wanted to just do something for God, wanted to sell out for God, and so we wanted to make a way for them to come to our Christian school. Well, they didn't have a lot of money, so we started a fundraising program where somebody in our church would take them out fundraising and selling chocolates or different things, all kinds of different ways to fundraise, and so they could pay the tuition to come to the Christian school. When we started that, several families in our church came up to the pastor, came up to the people that were running it and criticized that, Say, why are you letting all these kids into our school? Hey, you're you're focusing so much energy on these these kids. What about our kids? What about our kids? You see, they were missing the big picture. We weren't neglecting the other kids as well, but we wanted to bring some of these less fortunate kids to receive the same blessings that our kids were receiving as well. People criticized it. You know what? Several of those kids now are either in Bible college, graduated Bible college. One of them was in our church in this church here last night with her husband and her brand new baby serving God in a church down in Gulfport, Mississippi. Hey, I think it works. But people are going to criticize things sometimes when we want to do something big for God. <clears throat> we see lastly tonight, <clears throat> not only was it a complete surrender, it was a costly surrender. It was a criticized surrender, but praise the Lord, it was a commemorated surrender. Look with me, verse number six. It says, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And that statement is being fulfilled here tonight right now this sacrifice this surrender that this woman made is forever memorialized in the pages of scripture and will forever be read about until Jesus returns what a thing can you imagine if God had chosen you to do something in the Bible I wonder that sometimes I read the Bible and I hear about these names in the Bible and I know God knows all things and we'll all find out someday I don't know I'm not trying to come up with some new doctrine, but I wonder sometimes, were there other people that God would have used, but they didn't surrender, and so God chose somebody else, and those are the people that we read about. Maybe we would have read about somebody else, but they weren't willing to surrender to God's will in their life. Now, our lives, is too late. We're not going to get in the Bible, all right? I just hate to break it to you. We're not coming out with, you know, some other apocrypha or something, and we're going to read about us. No, but realize it wasn't about this woman to begin with. She wanted to do this. She wanted to give this surrender, this sacrifice to Jesus Christ, not to draw attention to herself, but to draw attention to her Savior because of everything that He did for her. Her focus was on Jesus Christ. I think we need to be reminded every day to break our box God, what would you have me do today? Where would you have me go today, God? Lord, would there be somebody who you would come across my path who I could give a gospel track to? Maybe spend a few, mim- a few moments sharing the gospel with this person so that they might get saved. And maybe they don't get saved. Maybe we plant the seed. Maybe we water it. But sometimes, guess what? We get to come along. We get to reap that harvest. There's no greater feeling than get to be part of seeing a soul trust Christ as their Savior. <clears throat> I don't know about you but I want my life to count for Jesus Christ he gave his life for our life he gave it freely of himself he didn't have to but he loved us so much that he gave his life so that we could receive eternal life I want to be able to give something back to him now I know I can't ever repay that that sacrifice that he made but I want to try to do the best that I can. And you know what? I, may, I make a mistake. I know these guys up here, guess what? They make mistakes sometimes. And some of you probably be like, yeah, that's right. They make mistakes all the time. <clears throat> We're all just sinners, folks. But what are we doing with our life? Are we willing to surrender completely to God's will in our life? Are we willing to pay whatever cost we might have to pay so that we can surrender in that way that God wants us to surrender? Not caring if people might criticize us, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what other people think about us. What does God think about us? Can He look at our life and say, hey, that Christian, they've done what they could? They're doing everything that they can. They may not be able to give as much as this other person over here. They might not be able to go be a missionary or a pastor or something like that over here, but I've called them to do this, and they're giving it their all. Are we doing what we can tonight? Not so that the world can remember us forever, but just like this woman, so that God will remember our sacrifice that we've made for Him forever. Close with this. The missionary David Livingston to Africa, he made this statement. He said, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply acknowledging a great debt we owe to our God, which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward in helpful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny? It is emphatically no sacrifice. Rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger, foregoing the common conveniences of this life, these may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink, but let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall later be revealed in and through us. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk. When we remember the great sacrifice which he, whom, he, which he made who left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. God's made the greatest sacrifice that could ever be made by sending his son to die on a cross to pay for our sins. God loves us so much. Look, the, the message that we have is, is not so much hell and damnation. Yes, hell is real, and, and we have to go to that if we're not saved. But the greatest part of that is God's love towards us, the grace that God freely gives to each and every one of us. I don't think it's too hard to talk about what God's done in our life, is it? I don't think it's too hard to give something up so that the gospel can be preached to other people who've never heard. What are we doing for God tonight? What's going to be said about you when you die? Not by other people, but by God. What'll be said about me? Will it be said that I gave my all or that I held something back? I don't know about you, but I want to give my all. After all he's done for me, after all he's done for me how can i do less than give him my best after all he's done for me let's pray dear heavenly